0: Some of us have been reading the Richard Rohr blog from his community known as the Center for Action and Contemplation. In the last few weeks, he has shared with us a guest writer, Cynthia Burgault, who has, through... A lifelong study of the use of the Trinity and the relationships between God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has provided this amazing, I think, epiphany, uh, awareness of what it means to live by a third way. And what I mean by that is a way other than the dualistic way that we normally see life. I'm sharing that with you before I read this scripture text, which is a long one, by the way, from John's Gospel, chapter 9, 1 through uh, 41. It's a text many of us know about the healing of the blind man. When they're talking about blindness here, they're talking about the default way that we see the world as much as anything. Listen for... A third way in this, and as well for the many ways that the community is stuck in their dualistic thinking. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this and then spit in the dust, made a clay paste with saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes, and said, Go and wash at the pool of Siloam, which means scent. The man went and washed and saw soon that the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, Why isn't the man we knew Still blind, isn't he the same one who sat here and begged? Others said, no, it's him, all right. But some objected, it's not the same man at all, it just looks like him. The man said, it's me, it's me, the very one. Then how did your eyes get open, they asked. A man named Jesus made a paste and rubbed it on my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. And I did what he said. When I washed, I saw. So where is he? I don't know. They marched the man to the religious authorities, the Pharisees. This day, when Jesus made the paste and healed his blindness, was the Sabbath. The Pharisees grilled him again on how he had come to see, and he said... He simply put clay paste on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, Obviously this man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others countered, How can a bad man do miraculous God-revealing things like this? There was a split in their ranks. They came back at the blind man. You're the expert. He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? He said... He is a prophet. The Jews didn't believe it. They didn't believe the man was blind to begin with. So they called the parents of the man now bright-eyed with sight. And they asked them, Is this your son, the one you say was born blind? So how is it that he now sees? His parents said, We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind, but we don't know how he came to see. Having a clue about who opened his eyes, why don't you ask him? He's a grown man and can speak for himself. His parents were talking like this because they were intimidated by the religious authorities who had already decided that anyone who took a stand that this was the Messiah, Jesus was the Messiah, would be kicked out of the congregation. That's why his parents said, ask him, he's a grown man. It's called passing the buck. They called the man back a second time and the man who, uh, the man who had been blind and told him, give credit to God. We know this man Jesus is an imposter. The blind now seeing man replied, I know nothing about that one or the other, but I know one thing for sure. I was blind. Now I see. They said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you over and over and you haven't listened Why do you want to hear it again? Are you so eager to become his disciples? With that, they jumped all over him. You might be a disciple of that man, but we're disciples of Moses. We know for sure that God spoke to Moses, but we have no idea where this man even comes from. The man replied, "Ah, This is amazing. You claim to know nothing about him, but the fact is, he opened my eyes. It's well known that God isn't at the beck and call of sinners, but listens carefully to anyone who lives in reverence and does his will. That someone opened the eyes of a man born blind has never been heard of, ever. If this man didn't come from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. They said, you're nothing but dirt. How dare you take that tone with us? Then they threw him out in the street. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and went and found him. He asked him, do you believe in the son of man? The man said, point him out to me, sir, so that I can see and believe in him. Jesus said, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? Master, I believe, the man said, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Some Pharisees overheard him and said, Does that mean you're calling us blind? Jesus said, If you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. This is the word of the Lord. Most of us were born with two eyes. And that being the case, most of us see the world, at least when we began the process of maturation, as one or the other truth. It's called dualism. It's about an either-or viewpoint of life. And the way we separate things dualistically is bad and good, big and small, light and dark, sinner, forgiven. There are thousands of different ways we do it. It's the polarization that's going on in politics. You're with us or you're against us, you're liberal or you're conservative, there's a racial divide, you're black or white or red or yellow, and we live in this sort of dualistic way of seeing the world because it's so easy, it's our default. We we do it because we have always done it as human beings, back when we were running from saber-toothed tigers on the Serengeti, those who survived were those who could dualistically not get caught up in the ambiguities and gray areas of life. They could immediately determine, is this a threat or a friend? Those who lived were clear. Threat. Threat. Our whole system of technology, in fact, is based on this. It's called binary, which means that there are two factors, one and zero. And all the ones and all the zeros and whatever configuration that they are put together make up the software that runs our technology. But it's binary. It's two I would like to say that I think that the Bible understands this and that there is a progression, an evolution from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis all the way through to the end of Revelation where this spiritual and emotional maturation takes place where the people of God begin to see the world not just as either or, but as both and. Either or I abhor, both and I take my stand, you've heard me say. And this... Both and way, I would like to hold out as a third way of seeing life and truth. Now, I know that this is not easy. But if you think about it, when God created the world, he divided things pretty clearly. Water from land light from dark, blah, blah, blah. And that was a dualistic way of understanding things. The Greeks come along and do the same thing by saying that that the world is divided between material and spirit, ground and, and soul and so forth. That's sort of a dualistic way. But the Hebrew people understood things a little differently than that, and they began to see things as a third possibility. Ultimately, that becomes revealed in Jesus Christ who I think is the light, the epiphany that enlightens all of the world with a new way of seeing. And everything that Jesus is saying is an offering to us and his disciples about how to see the world differently than either or. And if you begin to see that and read the text that Jesus is involved with, you begin to see how dualistic all the characters are in it and how Jesus is trying to get them to see a third possibility. This is not new. In fact, it's ancient. We westernized, cognitive, mind-centered, thoughtful people see things more dualistically, but the Eastern world has seen things in a third way for thousands of years. The Hindu and many Buddhists understand that we have more than one eye. We have a third eye. And it's located above your eyebrows right in the middle. It's called the Ajna in Sanskrit. And if you've seen Hebrew women uh, and men with a red spot on their forehead, that's what it symbolizes, the third eye. It is the way of seeing and not seeing through these eyes it is the way of knowing intuitively and it is thought that this is the place where all of the dualistic forces at odds and in conflict come together in unity here the third eye my sense is that Jesus understood that as well and that everything he is saying to his disciples and to the religious authorities and to the blind man and therefore saying to us is that we've got to get out of this dualistic way of thinking or we're going to miss the whole point and not really be able to connect to the kingdom of God. This text is a classic example of it, in my opinion. The disciples are walking along and they see a man who they knew had been born blind begging. And so they ask Jesus the dualistic question, who sinned? His parents or himself, because it was obvious if someone was ill or had a disability or was somehow an outsider, then it was clear that he had done something wrong or somebody in his family had done something wrong. The sins from every generation to generation, it says in the book of Exodus, God will visit His judgment upon the sins of generation to generation. That was the clear assumption of the disciples. Who sinned? His father or himself? And Jesus says, you don't get it. That's not the question. You're asking the wrong question. The real question is, how will God use this man's blindness? When Nancy was tragically killed in her car accident, the girls wanted to know the question we all do, why? Why did it happen? So they turned to me, their dad, the preacher. Help us understand why. And I knew that biblically there is no answer to why and that why is a rabbit hole and that why keeps us from going to the places we need to go we get stuck in why, and we, we never get out of the grief. Because there is no answer to why. And so as I'm sitting there thinking, how am I going to explain this in some theological way, or use theodicy, or why do bad things happen to good people? This spirit came to me and reminded me of this story And the disciples asking Jesus the same question, and Jesus saying to them, that's the wrong question. The question you need to ask now is, how is God going to use this in order to be glorified? And so I said, that's our question, guys. Not why, but what next? What are we going to do now, and how are we going to do it now that your mom has died? That's what matters. And we're going to claim the power of God in that process. And i got to say that I share that with most people that I have an opportunity to pastor as well. That it's not about why, but what next. And this is what Jesus is holding up to those disciples and to us. And they didn't get it. Because it's either he sinned or he didn't. He's ill because he did something. Somebody has to be guilty. There's got to be somebody to blame. And not only do his disciples not get it, the town doesn't get it. They are berserk. He was blind, and now he sees. What has happened? This isn't right. So they come together, and they began to interrogate him. How did you get your sight? Well, this man, he put... uh, dirt in his hands and he spit on it and he molded it and put it on my eyes and he told me to go wash in Siloam and I did and and I could see that's not what we're asking I mean how did it happen I just told you and not getting a satisfactory answer they take him to the religious authorities who are always deeply grounded in a dualistic way of thinking think about it that's their power Either you're in or you're out. Either you're religious or you're a pagan. Either you do what we say or you're not in the club. Either you're forgiven or you're still a sinner. Either or is how the religious authorities get their power, always. And so they're stuck on this issue because the blind man all of a sudden sees, which blows the whole dualistic concept out of the water, and everything they believe in is now threatened. How'd you get your sight? Well, he put dirt in his hands. He spit in, made mud, put it in my eyes, sent me to the Siloam, and I see. Is he the Messiah? I don't know. He couldn't be the Messiah because he healed on the Sabbath. That's a clearly black and white rule break. Well, he might be the Messiah, some said, because no one could make miracles like that unless they were. Now they are polarized among themselves, the Pharisees, some in, some out. At every turn, this moment of healing, this incredible act of grace of God, in the midst of the world, only creates more polarization by those who cannot see a third possibility— Tell me that's not relevant for our day. And how blind we who are polarized end up being. The Pharisees invite him in, they interrogate him, they throw him out. And Jesus comes to him as he always comes. Presents himself to him and says, who do you see? See, who do you see? I'm not sure, the blind man says. You know my voice. Do you believe? I believe you're the Messiah, he confesses. And in that third possibility, he is convicted and converted into a whole new way of seeing. And at the end of it, the tail end of it, Jesus ends it with these words, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear, so that those who have never seen will see, and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Blinded by our biases and our bubbles, our perspective, the conditioning and habits. Our wishes, our politics, our privilege, we are blinded by it all, Jesus knows, and says to us, there is a new way to give up our egos, to give up our perceptions, to claim the fact that our sight is limited To open ourselves up to a possibility of a whole new way of seeing and not blaming others and not making of others scapegoats and not polarizing others because we do not agree with them. It is a whole new way and it is the way of health and seeing according to this story. Because Jesus is the light of the world and that light is the third way of knowing. And it's hard but this is the point to me of what it means to be a Christian, and especially in this church called Riverside. Our job is to be a presence, a witness, a light of Jesus Christ for a third way of being that is not either or, or does not reinforce the polarization and the otherness. A way of being that includes and embraces and understands a much larger truth than just our own. And the job of this church, in my opinion, is to be that witness and that light in the world, wherever we are. That's our calling. May we see here.